Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts now. Welcome to On the Edge Brains, your favorite spot, the place where the conversation is pointed, guess is sharp, and the responses are never dull. Today, we welcome Dr. Karen Jackson, all the way from Louisiana, down in New Orleans. Uh, I, you know, I love it down there. It's a certain ambiance. It's a culture, an American culture within itself. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Karen is a professor. You know, mm-hmm. she's got her teaching credentials. She's an author. She's coaching. Um, she is an overcomer, a thriver, and a survivor. And we want to talk to her about that and some other very interesting things that have unfolded in her life. Um, and she is really going to bring us full circle and also put a blessing on us. So I welcome her to the show. How are you, Dr. Karen Jackson? Amen. Amen. I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, me and the brains, girl, I'm telling you, I've been waiting for this one. <laughs> I've been waiting for this one because we had such a great introduction. Mm-hmm. You know, got to talk about a lot of stuff. I think we was on the phone for about an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. And everything, you know, in life comes full circle. So tell my brains a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Okay. And so I'll start with my childhood, if that's okay. Absolutely. Okay. So I am originally from New Orleans, born, raised in New Orleans. Currently, I reside about uh, maybe 45 to 50 minutes away from New Orleans in a small town called Prairieville, which is just right outside of Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge is a, um, I guess, a metropolitan area here in Louisiana as well as where the state capital is. So just right outside of of Baton Rouge. However, um, so how did I get here? So let me start from the beginning. Born in New Orleans in an impoverished uh, community. However, when you are in an impoverished community, it looks like everything is good because everybody else with you, we're, we're all having the same experiences. Right. However, we, um, I did experience, or my household did experience lack, and sometimes food was scarce, um, clothing was scarce. It was I'm the oldest of three, three of us, and um, so about the age of eight, my parents divorced. When my parents divorced, uh, my mom, she moved away, not very far, you know, it's it's from one neighborhood basically to another neighborhood, and it was still impoverished and we struggled we struggled for a while and um so i just jump right to after the after the divorce maybe a couple of years after divorce after my mother's divorce um my mother met a gentleman and um this gentleman to me what i always smelled on him was alcohol Mm, he was he was um his appearance appearance was he was dark black and he had red eyes and I would just always smell alcohol on him. And so my mother began to drink a lot when she was with him. I soon realized sometime afterwards that his goal was actually to get my mother so intoxicated because this happened repeatedly. He would get her so intoxicated until she actually passed out. Mm. And when she passed out, Um, Of course, she was incoherent. She didn't know anything that was going on in the home. But that was when the invasion actually began. So as I stated, this man was dark in appearance. His eyes was red. And for some reason, whenever I looked at him, I can always see something behind his eyes. But at the time, I didn't quite understand, you know, what I was looking at. He was, I was like 11 at the time. And one night he came into the room. And this man, how he woke me up, and this was his routine, he put his tongue in my mouth. Mm. And then he would put his tongue in my ears. Oh my God. It's, it, the, 
I can't even describe the taste. It was so disgusting. Like it literally made me sick. And then he would climb on top of me. And I was so skinny. I know I weighed way less than a hundred pounds at the time. He would grind so hard on top of me that my thighs would hurt. This was his routine every night to get my mom completely intoxicated. And then he would come into the room and violate me. So he molested me, he fondled me. And there were times also when he would make me come into the room and watch him um, do things to my mom. And um, there were times when he would also make me, he would take my little hand and make me massage his penis until he ejaculated on the wall. And he would make comments like, if I would put this on, if I would do this to you, do the same thing to you that I did to your mother, you couldn't handle it. Yes. I'm 11 years old. I didn't understand, even, I didn't even know anything about that because I was still a virgin at the time. <clears throat> but this went on for months, the same routine, wake me up, tongue in his mouth, tongue in my mouth, tongue in my ear, grinding on me, massaging my breast, dragging me into the room to watch him do things to my mother. I became so uh, disgusted. That's really the only way I can describe it at the age of 11 and ashamed that I would wear clothes that would completely cover me up. It didn't matter what time of the year it was. I would wear things that would completely cover me so nothing would be exposed because I was ashamed didn't understand it, what I was going through, but I know I felt ashamed. He would threaten to kill me if I would ever say anything to anybody, especially my mother. One night he came back into the room and he bent down to touch me again. And um, because he would, he would put his hand in my underwear and touch me down below. And one night he tried to do it again and I screamed. It's like something snapped in me. I screamed and screamed to the top of my lungs and he ran into the bathroom. Well, my mom, she was intoxicated at the time. She came into the room and she said, what are you screaming for? What are you making all of this noise about? And I finally got the nerve to tell her, I stuttered, but I got it out, what he had been doing to me for months. And he, she called him into the room and she said, Karen said, you've been touching her and doing all of these things to her. And she looked at him in his face and she said, and you know, if any of these things are true, you gone, you, you gone. So for a brief moment, I felt like I was being rescued. Yes, my mother is going to defend me against this man, this animal who has been doing these horrible things to me. And he put his arm around her and he whispered in her ear, baby, you know, I would never do anything to hurt your children. And she looked at him and she said, all right now. And they turned around and walked out the room together. That- Stop you right there. I wanna stop you right there for a second. Okay. Parents, male or female, young boys, young girls, when your child tells you that somebody is doing something to them, cursing at them, yelling at them, sexually violating them, causing them to steal, causing them to do drugs. They don't just wake up one morning with that on their mind and conjure up a story. You take that information and you process it. You watch, you observe, you are the overseer, you are the parent, you are the person with life's experience, you know? If uh, I could go on and on and on about this, I, and I, I just had to stop you because parents, you got a responsibility to interject. Your children are looking for your protection. And I know women need a little extra change every now and then, you know, he gonna come over, he gonna bring some grocery, he gonna help me pay my light bill, whatever. But do you sacrifice your children for that? Do you do that? Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Are you that shallow and insecure? By your vibrator. Learn to love yourself, really. Because all that extra, it's gonna come back to haunt you. And it used to be back in the day where 
mothers would give their children to a family member because they couldn't raise them. You know, and I understand that, you know, poverty, they got four or five mouths to feed. Well, if you can give one to Aunt Martha and one to grandma, you only got two mouths to feed. I get that. So then what you might want to do is consider closing your legs or getting some sort of birth control. Ain't nothing wrong with saying that. Okay. But anyway, I'm sorry, Ken. I, I, it just, it just, it kills me how parents don't listen to their children. I told my daughter, I said, I want you to scream, scratch, bite. I said, and and dare them to tell you to not to tell me. I'll cut you to the white meat show. I swear to God, I will, I will. You messing with mine. All right, go ahead. <laughs> you know, it is because of that particular experience that I've shared the same thing with my children. And I'm really so protective of my children because I know that there are, uh, you know, men who will do those things. And women, women will do women. That, that's true. That's very true. That's very true. Let me not forget women as well. You are absolutely. These school correct. teachers, honey, I'm seeing them. Messing with these little 13, 14 year old boys. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's def that definitely happens. So at the time, I would classify that guy as um, the devil's son. So <laughs> moving beyond him. So that happened, you know, when I was 11. Um, at about 12 and a half or so, there was a, um, my mom broke up with him before then. And there was a church, a neighborhood church that my mom started taking us to. And I remember we got baptized. Didn't really know why I was being baptized because it wasn't really explained back then. You just, you know, line up your children, you bring them to church, you dress them in white and then in the water they go. So I didn't learn until later on why I was actually being baptized. But I do know and I do recall that when I was baptized, there was an urgency in me to know more about God. Because in the church, they talked a lot about God. They talked a lot about Jesus. So I wanted to know who was this Jesus? Who was this person that they was talking about that was of love, full of love? Because at the time, I didn't feel that I was getting love from my home. So... I would write. I made it a habit of writing in um, a journal. Everything that I was experiencing, because I felt like I had no one else to talk to. I'm the oldest and, you know, every child is different, but I was quite different from my siblings. And so let me just share how different I, I feel like I was. At the time, I was see things nobody else saw. I would see things in people that nobody else saw. So I would look at a person and you may see flesh when you look at people. I saw a flesh, but I saw what was behind the flesh. Mm -hmm. And what that means is if there was a spirit lurking in them or something demonic, I would see it. But I was never afraid of what I saw. I just didn't understand what I saw. I would also always smell things that other people didn't smell. So what do you mean by that? And it's not always a pleasant fragrance. For example, my mom met another guy and I will call him the devil himself. Oh, so Lord. she dated the devil's son and then now the devil appears. She dated this guy. This guy was blacker, darker <laughs> than the previous guy, guy, excuse me, in his eyes were also red as fire, but he had a smell of sulfur that reeked from his pores, from his skin mm. that I smelled. And the smell was so strong to me that I would try everything I could to get away from it. Because if he came into another, if he came in a room, I went into another room because the smell was so strong. But mind you, nobody else smelled that smell. My mom didn't smell it. My siblings didn't smell it. So... I would also see him chanting, saying things to himself, strange noises coming from his mouth. Um, there were times when I would wake up in the middle of the night to go and use the bathroom and he would be standing in the dark, looking at the mirror, chanting. 
And I can recall one time when I opened that door and I saw him standing there, didn't know what he was doing, didn't understand it. But I remember saying to him, you are an evil bastard. Hmm. How did I know it was evil? I don't know, but I know it wasn't right. <laughs> right. And there were times also when he was not home, but he would always tell my mom that he always knew what was going on when nobody was home. And there were occasions when I was home alone and he would astral project. So what does that mean? When you, he came out of his, his body, people who practice works of darkness um, do things like that, where they can come out of their body and walk around, leave their body, their natural body, and come into a home, into a neighborhood, into a community and walk around. Right. I would often see him walking around the house. He wasn't physically there, but his spirit was there. And I tried to share that with my mom, but she didn't understand it because it's like, sounds crazy. Like, what? What do you mean? I would also hear deep voices in the home when nobody was there. I would hear laughing. I would hear talking conversations. I would see, and this may sound strange to some people who haven't had these experiences, but... I would see words written in blood on the walls in the home. Um, I would often have nightmares of snakes, big black snakes surrounding the home. And I would have dreams of a, a demon chasing me. And the demon looked like half wolf and half pig with sharp teeth and sharp fingernails with red eyes chasing me. I was never fearful though. This is what I couldn't understand because as a, a young adult, young, you know, adolescent, you would think you see these things, you hear these things, you experience all of these things and it would frighten you. I wasn't. And I can recall there were times when I would try to fall asleep and I can feel them. I can feel like dark entities around me. I can feel and smell things breathing in my face as if they were like this close in my face I would smell them breathing in my face the only thing I knew how to do was pray it wasn't a prolific profound thus thou art <laughs> type of prayer <laughs> right 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 probably no more than God help me protect me keep me safe because that was probably the extent of my prayer back then. I didn't have, any, have anyone to teach me how to pray. But I always felt that God was protecting me because no harm, no hurt, harm, or danger came to me. I was able to see these things and experience these things, but nothing, no harm came to me. Now, let me now, interject right here. Hold this part of the story. Okay. Grace, I want to take you back to the beginning of our, our introduction. And I told you that... Um, Karen grew up in New Orleans. Now, the first time I went to New Orleans, it was an experience. When I got off the plane, I was like, really? <laughs> but as I settled in, 24, 36, 48 hours, the whole paradigm shift. It was a whole cultural experience. The, you know, the dead are buried above ground. There was an energy. Do you know that that was one of the, one of the main ports for the slave trade from Cuba? from Africa, from the Caribbean. They brought these people here. Now, what I want you to understand is about voodoo. Go back and listen to one of my, my other shows. Voodoo is very real. Voodoo was not originated to be harmful. It was a religious doctrine. It was their deity. It was their way of connecting with God. The blood was the sacrifice, the prayers, the fires, the, uh, the candles. The conversations, the chanting, that is a cultural norm. Go to Africa, go to the Caribbean. You will see that these are still practiced. This is how they healed people. This is how they connected with God. And then they were brought on the bottom of a slave ship, shackled together, no food, no water, all of them speaking different languages, not knowing where they were going. They were kidnapped. They were brought here. And then they had to take on the ideology of the white man the white Catholic man, the white Christian man. They knew nothing about Christianity. So when you see these candles and you wonder why do the candles have the same deity 
or a similar God as Catholicism, that's because that's how they indoctrinated. You were not allowed to speak your language. The only way that you could understand what was going on is by the beating of the drums. The beating of the drums was the connectivity. Do you know that cornrows were actually slave maps and routes to how people were able to get free? Mm -hmm. So I tell you all this little history so that you can understand where Karen is coming from. This is somebody that was from the dark. Absolutely. But that was not the intention of voodoo originally. But believe me, if it could work to get a joke up off you <laughs> and make him walk on his hands and knees and make him afraid and fearful because you were able to pull up something, somebody, some energy, some source, absolutely. And people still do that to this day. All right. I had to give him that little education, Karen. Go on and fill him in with the rest, girl, because I'm telling you, this is a story to be had, Brains. So at the age of 17, I started going to church with my grandmother. And um, the church, I can describe the church that my grandmother attended. It was a small church, very small congregation. But it appeared that the church was very spiritual in that people were, um, what I know now, they were prophesying, they were speaking in tongues, they were using gifts. And I remember praying for a heavenly language. As I began to grow more in my knowledge of God and Jesus and who he was and, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I began to pray for, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. And I recall one night they were having an old school tarrying service. If anybody know anything about tarrying, <laughs> that's, it, it could be a, a little a lengthy process, but that's the way that they would come together as, as a whole in the church and they would pray. They would pray and they would worship and sing songs until the Holy Spirit came in and fell upon the people. And let me tell you, that was how I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit fell upon me, I began to speak in tongues so heavy, so strong. I spoke in tongues all the way until church was over. When I got home, when I drove home, I was still speaking in tongues when I went to sleep. I was still speaking in tongues when I woke up the next morning. I was still speaking in tongues. I had a fire burning in me so strong that I just wanted, I had a hunger to know more and more about God, about Jesus, about his gifts, about his principles, his statutes. I just wanted to know all I could know about God. And so I began to study. I studied, I read the word, I ate the word. I ate the word so much every day, day from sunup to sundown, you know, like tw not 24 hours, but that's how hungry I was to just know God and know more about who he was. So I studied the word, anything I can find on the internet that related to um, gifts of the spirit. I, I just wanted to know. And um, I enrolled in Oral Roberts School. And I think at the time it was called School of the Spirit or something like that. And I began to study more of, of the word, but then he also explained the gifts. But then I also saw um, his son, Robert, actually operate in the spirit. He was operating in word of knowledge. And I didn't know, I started putting things together. Word of knowledge, okay, I, could, I was doing that. I didn't know I was doing it. God would show me things about people. It would play like a little mini movie where I would see somebody's past or I see their lives or see things that they are currently struggling with. And I was prompted in my spirit to pray for them. Or I would, um, I would smell sickness on them. Mm -hmm. See, remember I was saying back then, growing up, I would smell things that, I, that nobody else could smell and I can see things. Mm -hmm. I learned that I had been gifted with the discerning of spirit's gift. What the discerning of spirits give, it works through your senses, through your eyes. You see things differently. You smell things. You taste things in your mouth. I, I was tasting things in my mouth. Mm -hmm. um, here, you, you hear things. You touch, you perceive, you feel. I was experiencing all of that. I just didn't have um, language for it. But as I began you, to study. So as you began to study and go through all this, the adversary mm -hmm. was still there. He was still busy. 
yes, he was still busy, but that's because I also realized in my studying that he knew my gifting. He knew what I was there for. He knew what my purpose was for. And so what he was trying to do, because just, just what the devil does today is he tries to get you to abort your assignment yes. by building strongholds in your mind, right? Yes. Or by using some sort of legal rights. And what, what are legal rights? Things from your past trauma, mm-hmm. you know, like things that I've experienced before to get an open door to come into your life. So or, that when, or, there'll be, or there will be people, charlatans. Right. There will be exactly. people that will come and say, uh, I'm doing energy work or I'm doing the tarot or I right. can heal you or I can fix you and all that. Mm-hmm. You know what? You better get and a relationship with God. I was right. telling you about a, a, a situation that my mother had mm-hmm. that uh, somebody tried to put some, some badness on her. Mm-hmm. She had a friend. She was broke as a joke. She would come over and she would steal my mother's towels and her pillowcases to put uh, a diaper on her baby. She oh had my God. Diapers. So she okay. brings over to our house one time a little vial. And in this little vial, there was this liquid. It looked like a, a medicine vial. And uh, oh, I, I, this is girl, this is going to work. This is going to bless you. This is some blessing oil. This is going to anoint you. This is going to change your life. This is what you need, girl. Let me tell you, this is what you need. And my mother was like, okay. When she left, she looked at me. I looked at her. She said, baby, you got to consider the source. Mm. Said, this woman ain't got eye water to cry with. My but she's going to bring me something, some blessing oil to anoint me. Mm-hmm. said it will not anoint this skin mm-hmm. this oil mm-hmm. she put it in a drawer I kid you not within 48 hours that liquid had eaten through the container and eaten out of the drawer my god and me I was warned okay I had inside I have inside I have a gift too I can smell I okay. can I can smell people when their sickness. Yes, 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 yes. I can I can taste goodness, but also bitterness on my tongue. And yes. it's different. Yes. When a blessing is coming, I can taste sweeter than honey. Yes. You know, I get it. And my, my hands reach out with a certain energy. I feel electricity in my hands. So I understand exactly yes. where you're coming from. But brains, let me tell you, my mother took that vial and took that drawer and ran it in a creek. Ran ah. the running water. My God. Push it away from him. And I tell you, that lady never came back to our house ever again. So you be careful of Greeks bearing gifts, all they can do for you or what they can do for you. (laughs) You're going to get it done to you. That's right. Because that stuff is real. People don't want to believe it. Let me tell you. They want a piece of your jewelry, something that yeah, yeah something jewelry. personal. They want a lot of uh, girl. Let me use your brush to get your hair. Your brush to get your hair, right? Absolutely, you know, all of these things. Don't yeah, think that, that is some well. Yeah, I've had those things happen to me as well, which is why you want to pray not just for spiritual discernment. You want to pray for discerning of spirits. There is a difference between the two. So what I also learned about myself through this whole thing. And here's another thing, this whole experience with this man, right? With this, the man that I call the devil. What I've learned is things don't happen to you. It happens for you. Yes, ma'am. Because my experiences, right? I had to go through those things so that I can be equipped to now help deliver somebody else. Hmm. So Mm -hmm. what I've also learned about myself with the discerning of spirits gift and with the word of Uh, knowledge is that being able to see God gave me revelation and still gives me revelations to dreams and visions. So the Holy Spirit revealed to me that I was a seer. A seer is a prophet. A seer is a kind of prophet that receives revelations from seeing things. Then you have a Nabi prophet. A Nabi is the one who speak because they hear the audible voice of God. There's a difference between the two. Samuel was a seer. Gad was a seer. Gad was David's seer. So you see things that other people don't see. So that explained everything that I was experiencing in my childhood, why I saw him for the demon that he was mm. and nobody else could see it. So I, you know, as long as I was still in that house, I would anoint my room. I had holy, or I mean, I had oil all around my room 
with the sign of the cross. I just prayed all the time. And so whenever, the, and everybody know all of the houses in New Orleans are shotgun homes. So when you come through the living room, you literally have to go straight through other rooms because you can see straight to the back of the house. Mm. So whenever he would come through my room, he would run through the room because I worshiped in that room. I, like I said, my room was anointed. And I tell you what, it was a living hell for him to be in that house until one day he came to me. Before I even say that part, let me say, I borrowed his car twice when I enrolled in college. The first time I borrowed his car, April, the brakes went out on the interstate and I could not stop the car. I know it was an angel that pulled my car, I pulled that car to the side of the road and prevented an accident from happening. That was the first time. The second time, the steering wheel locked on the interstate and I could not control the car. Gradually, and I, the car was going, it was going fast, but I, I was able to slow the car down, but I couldn't maneuver it. Right. But I felt the car being steered. The car was steered to the side of the road once again. I know it was an angel that pulled that car to the side of the road and saved me from crashing. So that was two attempts. <laughs> this, let me tell you, the devil, when he wants to stop you and abort your purpose, he, he, he was relentless. But I was able to see it. The Holy Spirit began to reveal to me the things that he was doing. Everything he was doing in that home, I was praying against it. Mm. until one day he came to me and he stood in my face and said, I need you to get out of this house. Mm. That's what he said to me. I need you to get out of this house. One long after that, I, that I did pack up my stuff and I left. Now, even though I moved out of the house, that didn't stop him from doing things to attack me spiritually. So, but that didn't stop me from praying and, and building myself up in my faith and getting stronger and growing closer to God so that he can still give me revelations like I needed to have them. And, and my gifts became stronger. So one day my stomach started hurting really, really bad. And it was just unusual stomach pain. Went to the doctor, he referred me to a specialist. Went to the specialist. The specialist tried to tell me all of these different things, but I'm telling you, as the specialist was talking, I was praying. I didn't even know what the man said. When I left out of the doctor's office, I was driving home and the Holy Spirit said, call your mom. What I had learned up to that point was I stopped sending my mom pictures. Any pictures of me that she had in the home because the Holy Spirit was showing me all of these things. And then also from me studying and, you know, wanting to learn more and make sure I understood everything. Um, I knew that, like you just said before, if they had personal things, these are the things that they could use to attack you with. So I made sure I didn't leave brushes, hair brushes that had hair in it. I made sure I didn't leave any personal clothing, no articles of clothing. I made sure that whatever pictures I had of myself, I removed them from the home. However, on my drive home that, that uh, evening, when I called my mom, the Holy Spirit told me to ask her, does she have pictures of me? And she said, yes, I still have one from your graduation, one of your graduations. I said, go get the picture. As she was coming back to the phone, April, I heard her scream. When she got to the phone, I said, what's the matter? Why are you screaming? My mother said to me, I can't believe he's still doing this to you. Oh, Lord Jesus. Now, this is the shocking part. All the times I tried to tell you the things before that he was doing, you act like you didn't understand. You didn't know. You didn't see. I was crazy, right? But you literally said to me, I can't believe he's still doing these things to you. I said, doing what? What do you see on the picture? She said, there are little white bugs eating around your stomach. Now, where I just came from, the doctor <laughs> telling him about stomach pain. Mm -hmm. And here it was just revealed where the stomach pain was coming from. Help me, Holy Spirit. 
And I told my mama to go and get some ammonia, wipe that picture off completely and tear it up. And she did that. And the stomach pain left. See? Right, so, so don't think that there's not demonic power. Oh, yes. Don't think oh, yes. there's not. And you have to have discernment. You've got to have a discernment. Lot of different, I have a lot of different people with a lot of different energy, different modalities, different religions, spirituality, all that on my show. Because I provide you information, options, and choices. But I'm going to tell you my source and where my source comes from. And I have a direct line and the line is never busy. And when I feel that there's something that is not settling, you know, people will always, well, let me do this or let me tap into this or let me offer you this. Uh-uh, even with hypnosis, okay? <laughs> I had a question, people try to hypnotize me. They said, well, you didn't go under. And I'm saying to myself, you damn right. I'm not mm -mm. giving you control. Meditation. Of my mind. That's, that's correct. Right. Meditations. They will get you into this, no. this dark space. Mm -mm. You know, it is the power of suggestion. Yeah. Neuro-linguistic programming. What they say to you. What they inject in you. Girl, I am like Superman. I got a force mm -hmm. field around me. Mm -hmm. And I don't play. I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to check it out. But you best believe I get, a, I have a blocker around me and I put the blood of Jesus all around me. That's right. That's not right. allow anything to infiltrate me. That's you, correct. I do not allow it because you don't know where these people are coming from. And everybody right. does not have your best intention at heart, brains. They don't. They they're they're energy don't. thieves. They want to steal your joy. They want to steal your prosperity. They want to steal your man. They want to steal your money with some trickeries, with some lies. Oh, you know, come back to me next week and bring me this. And then, you know, we need another $500 so that we can do this. Pour into it. Sow a seed into it. And I'm not just saying that from people on, on the dark side. The people on the white side, okay? How many times do they pass the offering plate in the church? Hallelujah. Okay? How many times have you seen, uh, you know, uh, a sheep in wolf's, I mean, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, you know, get you all caught up. To have discernment to see that. That's because right. Because witches are assigned to churches. Yes. You know what I'm saying? There are foot soldiers that are assigned because the devil, let me, let me tell you one thing. The devil is a duplicator and he's an imitator of everything, but he uh, cannot be everywhere at the same time. He is not omnipresent. So he has to have foot soldiers that he gives assignments to. And they are they have they are assigned to churches for many different reasons. And if you don't have discernment, you will be sitting right next to them and never know. Yeah. You uh, sitting right next to them, laying right in the bed next to them. Girl, tell them how your mama's still with that man. <laughs> yes, my mother is still married to him. It's been about 30 years, I believe I recall. About 30, uh, about 30 years or so, yes. And so, you know, and what I've learned about people, well, what I've learned first of, all, first of all about the enemy is when you're under witchcraft, right? Because witchcraft is manipulation, manipulation and control. And when you have been manipulated and controlled by the enemy for so long, you, you don't see anything. You don't see anything. And because of that, um, and what they do is they try to isolate you. They try to get you away from everybody else because that's the way they can control you. And so um, I don't have that relation, that, that real close mother and daughter relationship with my mom that, you know, that, that you've always, that a child always wants with their parents. It's, it's just not there. Now we speak. Yes, we do speak. We speak throughout the week, but that relationship is not there because he's not allowed to come to my home. Now, um, let me share also something that happened to my daughter um, back in 2003. So I, I'll just say this. So he's not allowed to my home for a number of reasons. Because first of all, because of who he is, right? And, and I know the things that he do. Let me tell you, you gotta be careful who you allow to come into your home. What? Because people what? will come into your house and they will drop things in your house that what? will curse you that will cause you to lose your mind, that will cause you to be sick. 
right. that will cause you to have division in your marriage that will curse that will curse you and you have to have discernment to know who these people are and to know what they're doing i've had witches come to my home and drop stuff in my home but not nobody comes to my house anymore i don't even allow, i don't allow anybody to come to my house anymore and these are people from the church and they'll say Oh, well, I'd love to come and stay with you. Oh, girl, I don't have space. I got plenty of space. You can get you a hotel. I don't, I, I, I don't need all of that. You know, you come, you got your girlfriend. I've been married to Mr. Magnificent, and I call him Magnificent for a reason. Here she going to come up. Oops, I didn't know that you that you were up yet butt naked. <laughs> you know? I, I mean, a human being is a human being. Yeah. Girlfriend yeah. of mine, uh, you know, very affluent. Uh, and a family from Louisiana and New Orleans found some things buried in her yard. She wow. loved the garden, found some things buried in her yard. One thing has such an awful smell, she had her husband dig it up and get it out of the yard. Next thing you know, they was calling paramedics. They was calling Girl, what was it? Out of, it was something rotted out of something wow. with a smell on it or whatever, but maybe wow. it all. So I am very cautious. That's why I said, I'm not very trusting. I'm nice. I'm polite. I'm respectful, yeah. but you ain't going to get all up on my team. <laughs> no. Right. no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I don't, I can count on one hand how many people I would say are my friends, mm-hmm. but I don't allow people in my house for a reason because number one, I have discernment and I'm a seer. I see everything that you're doing. And if, if I meet you and I can already see who you are, you're never going to come close to my home. Mm-mm-mm. You got to protect your home. You got to protect yourself. You got to protect your family. And this stuff is real. Of and course. because of that, I have, you know, I've worked in, in healing and deliverance and I've helped deliver other people from things that they were, you know, in bondage with for years, trauma and strongholds that the devil, you know, build up in your mind that cause you to, to doubt and worry and, and feel rejected. And, you know, cause people don't understand what these things are and where they come from. And this, there's so much deception out here and you got people using stones. You got people using um, crystals. You got the people using tarot cards and oh, sage. And you, you're using all of these different things and not understanding that these are deceptive practices you're trying to get rid of spirits that you're bringing into your home or bring you have to be careful when you open yourself up you know reiki healers i had the first time i had had reiki done on me the woman told me right afterwards she says you have such a strong energy she said be careful and i said why she said don't just let anybody do this practice on you she said because there's energy thieves there are people that are looking to infiltrate rob, destroy, manipulate, and control what you have. Be very careful. Be very careful. But I think I cut you off when you was going to tell us about your daughter. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say, you know, back in uh, 2003, I did allow my parent, my mother and her uh, husband to come to my home. And because ironically, get this, his birthday is the same day as mine. Mm. Go figure. My mom's birthday is the day before mine. And our birthdays happen to fall on the weekend. And um, I allowed them to come up. And my mom asked, did they have to go to a hotel or could they stay at my home? Now, this has been, you know, of course, over 20 years ago. So at the time, not that I had forgotten the experiences from childhood, but I felt like I had... um, overcame, you know, some of those things because I was outside out of mind. I wasn't in the home anymore. So I said, okay, yeah, instead of wasting money going to a hotel, just, yeah, you can come here. I had an extra room in the home. And while he was there, while he was in my home, this man, the Holy Spirit woke me up at midnight and told me to go walk into my living room. When I walked into my living room, I walked into him this man was walking around in the dark, putting stuff on my floor. And when he saw me, he ran into the room. And I said, okay. I, but what he dropped on my floor was so small that I couldn't see it. So I began to pray. 
Holy Spirit revealed to me what it is he's doing in this house. The next day, I said, let me, um, the Holy Spirit told me to watch my daughter, keep an eye on my daughter. So I told my husband, I'm going to make breakfast, but can you just keep an eye on her? Just watch her. Don't let her out of your sight. I'm cooking food and I look over at my husband. And I realize he didn't have my daughter. And when I asked him where she was, I can see for a moment, he was caught up in what he was watching on TV, that she was just running around. But when I looked outside, I saw that my mother's husband had her in his arms. Mm. And let me tell you, a holy anger came over me. <laughs> you say a holy I, anger. <laughs> a holy anger. And I went out just like, like a holy anger, like when Jesus was turning over the tables type of anger. So I ran out there and I snatched my daughter. But when when he had he had her in his arms close to him, like he was talking to her in his in her face. I snatched her and I said, get out of my house. I turned off everything and I told him and my mama, get out of my house. You got to go. That night, my daughter was acting funny. She was shaking, she was trembling and she was warm. She was hot, hotter than usual. And I said, what is going on? So I was praying and praying over my daughter and, but that wasn't working. Took my daughter to the hospital. And do you know, the doctor told me she had pneumonia. How do a child who was perfectly healthy a few hours earlier now have pneumonia? And um, they gave me some, some antibiotics for and stuff. And then they did, you know, what they had to do there, but I was livid because I knew what he had done was to try to cause harm to my child. Now, you know, you don't mess with a mother's child. Well, <laughs> I will quickly jump into the flesh and try to be. <laughs> okay. Uh, the dog. <laughs> But I realized this was a spiritual fight. So my husband and I had to come together and talk and pray. And I had to explain to him because my husband don't understand. He still doesn't completely understand my gifts. So I tried to explain to him at the time what was going on because he was livid and he was in the flesh and he wanted to drive to New Orleans and beat the hell out of him. And I said, no, this is a spiritual fight. And we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. This isn't a flesh, you know, a fleshly fight as stated in Ephesians. So, um, but also I realized that what he dropped in my home was to, was a curse to cause confusion and divisiveness in my family because my husband and I were at each other's throat and we didn't know why, but I realized what was happening. And also there were so many demons in my house that was unlocked at the time. Right. Because I smelled him. He brought him in his duffel bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I smelled him. Mm. I smelled them in, they were everywhere. Everywhere I turned in my home, they were in my face, everywhere. The room that they stayed in, when I opened the door, it was like I walked into a lesion of demons. Wow. The, the smell was so strong that we just, I had to pray and no matter how much I cleaned and cleaned and cleaned and opened windows and prayed and prayed, they would not leave. So I had to fast. My husband and I had to come together and fast. And I said, this is the only way. This is why Jesus said, there are only some that come out from through prayer and fasting. And so we came together in agreement because agreement is a weapon. And Matthew, you tell us, you know, 18, 19, coming together and praying in agreement because whenever there's two in the midst, God is there. So we wasn't by ourselves. So we had agreement, we had prayer, and we were fasting, three powerful weapons. And after we fast, those demons had to go. That was the only way we could get those things out of our house. Wow. So now fast forwarding. Girl, because I'm telling you, I told her brains that this should be uh, a Netflix miniseries. It really should. <laughs> but really, I mean, you know, because I'll be seeing some stuff here, but this is real life application. Mm -hmm. This ain't no bullshit. We ain't got time to be shucking and jiving mm -hmm. and trying to mess around and, and you know, with you. And I believe you. But that's mm -hmm. why, again, I, um, you know, now some things I do do. I do burn my sage. I do give a burn offering. 
you know, um, and I am very spiritual, but I'm also very um, new aged and metaphysical because of that. I don't let it conflict with my religion, but I understand the difference between the two and I like a good poker game. I know when to hold and I know when to fold. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So fast forward, you have been through all of this. You've documented it. You've got a couple books. We're going to talk about those in just a second. But what are you doing with individuals in the church, in your spiritual coaching, in your spiritual teaching to help them maybe not go through as much as you've been through, but to awaken their soul and to be conscious and hear the voice of God? Because you people get confused. Yeah. So we talk about, first we talk about spiritual gifts, right? But then we talk about, um, just because people want to discover who they are. They're trying to discover their purpose. And so I use something that's called a speak assessment, S-P-E-A-K, which is, stands for, you know, spiritual gifts, um, passions, experiences, abilities, and knowledge. So you use this speak assessment to actually determine what your purpose is. Then we have a conversation. I'm going to coach you. I'm going to mentor you to find out what it is that you want to do. Um, and in that conversation is I'm going to also, the Holy Spirit will reveal to me some things that you're dealing with. If, and we're going to look at open doors, right? And so open doors and then legal rights. There's, there's, a, there's a difference between the two. And we're going to look at some things that you're doing now that could be preventing you from actually walking into your purpose or um, th- that can cause you to be stagnant. <clears throat> a curse without a cause cannot stand. Excuse me, that's what scripture tells us. So if somebody feels like they've been cursed and they're stagnant, they can't move, we need to see what open door, what door has been opened to allow a curse to come into you, what your activities consist of, what your habits consist of, you know, places that you're going, people that you're associating and connected to, because all of this is, 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 is important. Once we start identifying these open doors, then we have to close them. If there are legal rights, let's look at your ancestors. Let's look at some things that has happened in your family, right? Because legal rights, demons is just what they are. They feel like they can come in because they have a legal right to be there. So what does that consist of? We're going to start looking at what those, some of those things are. And I'm going to go down the list to find out if you have any of these things in your family. And we're going to start breaking this stuff. We're going to start breaking these things so that we can close doors and get you delivered. Wow. So after the deliverance, mm-hmm. you know, she's still going to be there with you, brains, to coach you and facilitate because you yes. can't go from one extreme to the other. Sometimes no. you find people that find Jesus and girl, they think that it is the fountain of youth. You mm-hmm. know, they just, they just, they don't understand how to balance it because mm-hmm. it is powerful. You're coming right. from an adverse situation. Maybe you're being released from drugs or abuse or a bad relationship. And then you find God and all the wonderment in God. But there has to be a balance. Right. And so Dr. Karen is working diligently with women and with men, but mostly with women, correctly? Correct? Yes, that's correct. To help you navigate this newfound joy, because there is joy. Um, again, if people are there and, you know, if that's working for you on the other side, carry on, do, do what you do. But when it comes to finding yourself, finding the true essence of yourself, that is with your creator. It is not with an outside influence that's trying to pour into you. I got one friend right now that just got released from a guru. Guru. Oh, hip to a guru you know really you know i heard on the surface he made her sit and meditate and chant for four hours straight daily when she says his name she has this little hop and this little jump like she's still under a trance he's under control he finally she finally got away but the strange part about is he's got about 30 other people in this house under the spell she moved away. She got her freedom, but she has to drive past that house every single day to go to work. She's so, away. So she's a school teacher. She delivered because even though she left, that doesn't mean. Again, I'm trying not to be judgmental. I don't. Be, I think that she has been released from the guru, but as far as just seeing anything else, no. I still believe that she is under his control and under his spell. 
uh, and has been brainwashed and it has been indoctrinated into her so, so bad that again, she'll say his name and she'll jump, wow. she'll twitch. You know, it's now, automa- even now, even now, oh, yeah. even yeah. now. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I don't, I don't push. I try to love, but I limit, you know, I limit that. And her, st- I wish, I wish she would tell her story, but she doesn't. You got to come out of agreement with that. Well, she's yeah, and then too, you know, there's a gag order because there was some money involved. Of course, there's always some money involved. No, but I mean, she needs to break that agreement. That oh, yes, and that's strong. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. And so, you know, I've had a little conversation with her. But again, if you like it, I love it. I just don't have it around me all the time because it it, it messes up my whole thing. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about the books. Tell me what's inside the pages of your books. Okay. So this first book here, it's called the flow method. So flow is an acronym for focusing on leveraging opportunities to win. So win how? Win in business, win in ministry, win in the marketplace, or win in the seven mountains. How do you win? That's just another word for saying being successful. All right. And so inside of this book are 17 different strategies business and professional development strategies that can be used to help you. Now, depending on what you're doing, if you're trying to be successful in business, there's some strategies, some things that you need to do for for professional development so that you can actually acquire the competencies you need. Marketing, rebranding, restructuring, um, coaching, counseling, podcasts, such as this, uh, masterclass, things that you need to do to help you to get those competencies. Also, and I'm going to explain each one of the strategies in detail. Also, the speak assessment that I talked about earlier to help you define your purpose, the speak assessment is also in this book. Also in this book is the seven mountains of influence. People don't quite know what that consists of. And they say, why do you talk about the seven mountains? Because every Christian is called to a mountain and you may not even know what that means. So what are they? You have arts and entertainment, you have media, you have education, you have um, government, you have religion, you have family. Um, And depending on what industry you're in, you may be, and if you think about those things, right, those called the seven mountains of influence, influence for a reason. Those are where the enemy has strategically placed his people, his representatives, right, in the earth to cause confusion, chaos, division, strife, envy, malice, frustration, injustice, wherever you see things happening at, there's because there is some, some sort of entity there representing or, or some sort of region, a territorial spirit that have taken over in those areas. Hmm. Where if Christians would come together and pray, they can change those things. Okay. So the second book, and it's really not a book, it's a planner. After you've completed the flow method, now it's time for you to write down your goals. And this planner is going to help you get through your goals for the year so you can stay on track. Inside this planner, there are also affirmations. There are quotes in here. There are scriptures in here. And um, things to just help you get through to understand your purpose in the earth. So pull that, hold that up so we can get a good shot of that. Okay, great. So now that is a complement to the actual book. This is the planner yes. that goes along with the book. Okay, great. Yes. So now, Brains, you have practical application, and you also have a journal. You have a place, a point of reference that you can take this information. You can rehash it. You can redline it. I do that. I write things down and look at it and redline it and say, wow, that's where I was on March 25th, but here it is July 4th, and I'm somewhere else. Here it is November 25th. I'm somewhere else. You can look at how you have progressed or in some cases, regressed, or in some cases, stabilized. It is important that you document and you record these informations so that you can look at your progress, your success, your wins. Dr. Karen, honey, let me tell you, please come back. There is so much that we can talk about. There's so much evolving and brains, you know, uh, it's up to you. Like I said, if you like it, I love it. I'm not trying to uh, shake your apple tree. Not at all. But I tell you, I tell you, I am not chicken little, baby, because the sky is not falling on me. I know what's happening, okay? And I know what's happening, and I pay attention, and I want you to pay attention. I want you to live your best life 
whatever that is to make you happy, to make you whole. Dr. E, Dr. Karen, you have just been an overflow, an overabundance of information, wisdom, courage, strength, motivation. I could talk to you for hours. Please tell my brains how to get a copy of the book, the planner, and to get in contact with you. Yes, ma'am. So absolutely. The, per the books can be purchased at Amazon and you can reach me. You can go to my website at kjacksonconsultinggroup.com. You can schedule an appointment there. You can reach me on my IG. It is I am Dr. Dr. Karen Jackson or on Facebook at Dr. Karen Jackson, Dr. Karen Jackson. That's it. Thank you so much for being here on The Edge Brains. <laughs> We tell you what we know, okay? <laughs> we tell you what we know. We're not trying to shuck and jive you. We're not trying to, you know, we're not trying to mess with your flow, okay? Because we love you from the bottom of our socks. Our heart isn't deep enough. Thank you so much, Dr. Karen. Uh, please come back and visit me again. Brains, go handle your business. Love, like, share, follow, subscribe, share this. If you know someone that is doing a mini series, Contact me so I can contact Dr. Karen because we want to be there as they record this. I'm telling you that they've done a lot of great things down there in New Orleans. Uh, and wow. there's a lot of good energy there too, as well. There are a lot yes. of beautiful people. Um, yes. But again, you got to be in it to win it. Thank you so much. Come back and see me again. Thank soon. you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, brains. Bye.